I'm Jakob Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled Boost, a series specifically created to boost businesses in South Africa by letting passionate and committed business people share their stories. In this episode, we're chatting about the future of work. We're chatting about what the future of work looks like. We're also chatting about the necessary skills for the future of work and why they are important. I'm joined by Dr. Eric Albertini from the Future Fit Academy. Uh, Eric, welcome. Thank you, Yaku. Thank you for talking to me. Um, so we always uh, start the show by just a little bit of a, a, a brief background. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So, Yaku, I am the uh, co-founder and MD of the Future Fit Academy. We're a center of excellence housed within um, SA Business School, which in turn is part of the Alavbet Group. I'm a passionate human behavioralist. Yaku, I uh, have been for the last 25 years involved in various roles in developing human potential. Um, I have a strong passion for getting the best out of people, teams, and organizations. And hence, having set up in 2018, the Future Fit Academy. So uh, thank you for that um, intro. That's uh, it's. it's uh, I'm sure we're going to unpack a bit of that uh, as we as we carry on. So let's start with Future Fit. What what is Future Fit? F- Future Fit is <clears throat> yeah. We see it as a as part of the whole being person. It's about developing the behaviors required to ensure that one remains indispensable and continues to add value in this world that, as we know, is changing every day. So future fitness is, are we ready behaviorally to take on the challenges that the new world of work will bring us? That's what future fit is. And you've been, and you've been doing this since, since 2018. Uh, it's actually interesting. Uh, just before the show started now, I was having a conversation about how much, um, our outlook on the world of work has changed over the past two years. What's your opinion around what the past two years of pandemic and lockdowns and remote working has, 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 has that changed the view from where you started in 2018 or has it sort of played, played into it? Yeah, most definitely it's played into it. So as I say, we, in fact, the work we started that led up to Future Fit Academy started way before 2018. But the last two years have what I like to call microwaved what we were already working on. Um, It's accelerated the rate and the pace as well as the magnitude of some of the change. So we knew, and it's been on the cards way back, that, you know, remote work and telecommuting and distributed teams could be a characteristic of the future world of work. The, the pandemic has made that happen sooner and a lot quicker and faster. So, so yeah, my, my view is definitely that in, in a weird way, the pandemic has um, heightened the need and the importance of some of these skills that were on the cards, they were on the table before the pandemic. The pandemic just showed us that we need them sooner rather than later. And, and I'm, I'm veering off the subject a little bit now because, uh, it's, um, I've got such a keen interest in it. Um, do you, do you think that, uh, how ready were people for, for 
uh, what the pandemic accelerated? In general, Yaku not very ready. So I think people were talking about it, and there was always a talk about, you know, at some stage in the future we may work from home or work from anywhere. At some stage in the future, um, we, we may have to work with robotics, artificial intelligence. What the pandemic did is it made them realize they have to do it now. I don't know that people in many ways were as ready as they needed to be. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and for me, I think that's, uh, if we see our people, uh, even, even now, two years in, I'm, I'm, I also think there's, there's still a long way to go. So what would you say, um, does the future of work look like? So yeah, for us, we, well, I mean, we've all, I'm sure, have heard of the, the term VUCA, you know, which is, you know, the future world of work is going to be very volatile. There's going to be constant, frequent, fast-paced change. It is going to be uncertain. There's going to be a lot of complexity and a lot of ambiguity. So we, I think we're familiar with VUCA. We've adopted some work done by an American anthropologist and a futurist, in fact, a, a gentleman by the name of Jemay Cascio. And we talk about the Bani world, B-A-N-I. So the future world of work for us is going to be very brittle. On the surface, it may appear that everything is working, but something that's working may break quickly. So we talk about a brittle world. Um, it, it's sudden breakage. Anxiety, the A is anxiety, a very anxious world. Um, as, as human beings, I think we all know, we are quite obstinate in finding answers quickly. And with the uncertainty of the future world of work and the ambiguity therein, we're not going to find answers as quickly as we want. So there's going to be a lot of anxiety. So fear and anxiety. The N in Bani is nonlinear. Again, as humans, we prefer linear ways of thinking. The future world of work is going to be anything but that. It's going to be a nonlinear world. And then incomprehensible. The eye in Bani is incomprehensible. We're going to see things like the pandemic that not in our wildest dreams that we think would be possible. And leaders are going to have to be decisive and act in this very brittle, anxious, nonlinear, incomprehensible world. That's how we see the world going forward. And and that's it actually uh, there's, a, there's a lot of um – Similar things that I hear that people talk about the world of work. If if we look at uh, business owners, senior management, uh, you, you know, of larger companies or boards of directors, uh, we can talk about these things. Do you think that um, that we we've uh, I'm always I almost want to say internalize it and accept it that that is the way that it's going to be? Because if that is the case, then surely along the way. Um, the way in which we, we look at business growth or how to determine the value of a business, uh, has got to, has got to change from the, from what we've historically been doing. Absolutely. I, I think the new world of work will require a shift in operating models, in organizational structures. We are seeing that already. Uh, it'll require a change in reward and remuneration models. Um, and and to your point, how we value a business. Um, so all of the 
let's call them back-end components, um, so not just the behavioral stuff that we talk about in Future Fit, but the, the, the back-end components of a business and the ecosystem that makes up a business are going to require scrutiny and are going to be um, they're going to have to be reviewed to fit better and, and fit proper into an evolving world of work. And and then, how long do you think it'll take for uh, let's let's talk some of this the the historical linear ways of of working? Like let's say, for example, I apply for a job, I get uh, I get offered a salary, I go and do it. Um, doesn't matter, you, you know. Obviously, I've got to put in my forty hours a week or, or stuff like that. But my perception of the the world of work is is. Um, uh, the, the future is maybe not necessarily a single employer, more sort of outcomes-based um, remuneration. How far away uh, are we from that? Yaku, we, we look, there are companies, clients of ours that are already doing that. Uh, they have the foresight. They are already encouraging their employees to take a second role, to get involved in other out-of-work activities. In fact, the one client refers to it as a second role. So there are instances where it's happening. I think, how long will it take? Well, it depends on the economic structures. It depends on the foresight and readiness to change of the organizations. It, it basically depends on the leadership, um, societal and organizational and their understanding of the need to change because it is systemic. You know, not changing might result in redundancy. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a quick journey. As I said, it'll, it'll depend from organization to organization. There are clients that are, that are doing it, companies that are doing it. Um, I think it also depends on the level of maturity of the organization and possibly the economic environment within which that organization operates. Yeah. Um, and then I've got another question uh, which sort of ties into this. Um, my perception is, uh, you know, as I said to you earlier, we, we talk about our technology is enhancing the world of business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the minute we talk about the fourth industrial revolution and automization, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it's almost, um, you know, the first thing that people go, oh, uh, we've got to fight for our jobs because they're going to try and replace us. Um, do you find that there is a, a, a big resistance to, to, uh, uh, I almost want to say accept this, how the future of work is evolving? There, there is. There is some resistance in terms of applying or deploying the technology to preserve roles, human roles. So there's no question that in some instances there are, again, economic, societal reasons for not deploying technology. We know that the technology and the automation is going to impact many, many, many roles. And, and will it lead to roles becoming redundant and being replaced by robotics, automation? Yes, it absolutely will. But yeah, at the same time, there's that this technology poses and presents opportunities. Mm. The bigger challenge is Will we be ready 
to shift, to change, to learn the skills we need to learn so that we can work with the technology, with the changes in organizational processes that technology will bring. So the fourth industrial revolution, automation, does it pose a threat? Yes, it does. Is there resistance towards it? I believe there is. Um, I'd like to focus more on the opportunities that it might present. Ah. Why would be ready? Okay, so let's so let then let's go into that. So um, you refer to fifteen critical skills um, to be ready for the future of of uh, work. Can can you maybe take us through those quickly? Absolutely. So so what we what we do at the Future Fit Academy, we believe that to be effective in this evolving world of work, we need to think differently. So we've got some of the skills that are specifically about we need to think differently. Then there's a bucket of skills or a category of skills where we need to be aware of opportunities. We need to be able to spot opportunities and approach problems with a solutionist mentality. So, so there's, a, there's a bucket of skills under the leverage opportunities and, and be a solutionist thinker. And then, of course, in this automatic, automated world, human connection and engaging with purpose oh. becomes critical. So there's a bucket that we have around engaging others. So if I just run through those very, very quickly, in order to think differently and, and to understand what it means to think differently, we have to cultivate a curious mind. And so curiosity we see as one of the critical skills that will impact how we think. But it's curiosity in itself isn't enough. We, we need to think with a growth mindset. Now, growth mindset's been around for a long time. It's become more important. Growth mindset is really about the belief that I can learn what is required to continue to be relevant. Now, that growth mindset requires a learning agile or learning agility. And that's the ability to learn quickly. It's the ability to unlearn what no longer serves us. And it's the ability to reframe what we have learned for the new context. That's the third skill. So it's curiosity, growth mindset, learning agility. Okay. The fourth skill in this ways of thinking is dealing with paradox. The future world of work, this brittle, anxious, nonlinear, incomprehensible world is going to require that we think both and and not either or. So both and thinking, the ability to straddle these paradoxes, these polarities becomes critical. And then the last one in that ways of thinking is the tolerance of ambiguity. We have to not only be comfortable with ambiguity, in the future, we have to embrace it. We have to see the positive of ambiguity. We have to learn how to almost, I don't want to say encourage, but move toward ambiguity with a positive, optimistic mindset. So, th- so those are the five that sit under ways of thinking. Uh, Eric, on that note, can I, can I, I want to just ask you, uh, ask you a question because, uh, I mean, as you talking now, all of these things uh, resonate so, so strongly. Um, we, um, 
would you say those uh, this bucket of skills um in my mind it sounds like that would apply to to every single employee in an organization absolutely yeah these are these are not industry specific nor are they necessarily role specific at the future fits academy we have contextualized these for certain industries so we are we, we've taken those for example and we said what is it this new automotive and how the automotive world is changing how do they impact the retailer of the future so we we have contextualized them but at a generic level they are they're applicable to any industry anywhere cuz i'm just i'm just thinking uh, i think every employee or team member always wants certainty and, uh, and i mean the way that you Describing the world of work is is that this ambiguity and uncertainty is a is a reality. So I mean that's a it's literally every single person in an organization has to adapt um, and and uh, change the the view towards that. Absolutely, you know, as human beings, we we create the brain is a predictor machine. We are wired to seek certainty. That's why, as I said earlier on, you know, we're quite obstinate about um, finding a solution quickly. We don't like the, the human brain from a neuroscience perspective. doesn't like being in the middle. It doesn't like this either or. And therefore, it moves to a solution quickly, you know. And um, given that, we have, to, we have to learn how to be comfortable with that. So yeah, it apply these apply across um, across roles and across industries. Okay, excellent. Thanks. If I look at the you know so spotting opportunities and leveraging opportunities and problem solving in the future world of work, the five skills that we that we work with, the first one is sense making. Um, so that is how to create order and clarity when there isn't. It's about how to structure the unstructured in some way so that people, teams can move forward. So the ability to sense-make is a skill that sits under leveraging opportunities. You know, in this future world of work, Yaku, teams feel, as you said, very, very disconnected, fraught with fear and anxiety. And leaders are going to become dealers in hope. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte's very famous quote, leaders are dealers in hope. Now, the only way a leader can do that is if he helps his team, her team, create clarity. So creating clarity, which is about visioning and mobilizing, absolutely critical skill. In order to spot opportunities and to be a solutionist, we have to approach problems with a design thinking mindset. So design thinking and innovation we see as an absolutely critical skill. In this world that we've been talking about, leaders and teams and individuals are going to have to make decisions on the fly. So improvisation and resourcefulness. How do I make do with what I have? And how do I improvise when this brittle, anxious, nonlinear, incomprehensible world comes at me? So improvisation and resourcefulness is a skill there. And then, of course, all of this requires adaptability. Um, we, we talk about agile. We talk about flexibility. But actually, what we believe is a critical skill is the ability to adapt 
And, and those are the five that sit under leveraging opportunities. Okay. And then if we move to the, to the engaging others, this, this need to connect at a humane, human level with people in this very technological uh, world, we need something called connectedness. So we believe connectedness is a critical skill. How do we connect first to ourselves? Like we can't connect intentionally with meaning and purpose to others if we're not connected to self. So we talk about connectedness to self and then connectedness to others as a critical skill. The ability to influence without authority. So in the new structures we see evolving, flatter organizational structures, maybe leaderless teams, so self-regulating adaptive teams, the ability to influence people without authority becomes absolutely critical. This global world, this technology is going gonna, is gonna to collapse borders. Cultural adaptability is going to become more important. Yeah. This is truly understanding how to connect with meaning and purpose to people different to ourselves. That's the, the skill of cultural adaptability. And all of this has to be done virtually. So, well, a lot of it will have to be done virtually. So we talk about the skill virtual collaboration. What does it mean? And how does one create psychological safety in a team, but virtually? How do we build trust? How do we hold ourselves and others accountable and manage performance in a remote team? So virtual collaboration, absolute critical skill. And all of these require the last skill, which is change resilience. How do I build up this resilient core that makes me resilient to this constant ongoing change. So, so change resilience is then the, the last of the skills that sits there. So, so those, in, in a, at a very high level of the 15 skills we work with. Uh, in, this last, uh, in this last bucket that you mentioned, I think um, Catalytic might be a nice uh, case study for you because we've got a flat structure with leaderless teams. And um, yeah. I can tell you one thing at a at a, at a paper level, it, it looks easy and it and it makes a lot of sense to to implement and get it working at a at an operational level. Is a it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, it, it, so that bucket, Yaku, with the clients that we work with, tends to be the bucket that um, is more dominant. You know, what we do is we map these skills against our clients' competency frameworks or operating models or capability structures. And this bucket with the influence without authority, adaptability, virtual collaboration, connectedness is often where most of the pain points are. Yeah, that's it's so – I mean, ultimately uh – Inadvertently, uh, inadvertently, what you said is it's still all about people. It, um, it doesn't matter which way yeah. we look at it. Um, Absolutely. So, so um, I think for me, the next question in is if if I uh, sit and listen to what we spoke about today, there is almost uh, potentially two sides of the coin. There is an organization with its, uh, call it employees or team members, that uh, as to maybe look at it and say, right, how do I prepare for the future of the work? But then is on the other side of the coin, it might be me as a as an individual employee that uh, can sit and listen to this and say, 
Okay, what what can I do for myself in order to make sure that I stay relevant in a in a world of work? So, as an uh, can, can you maybe uh, as a wrap up maybe say where would an organ- <clears throat> organization start with uh, planning for the future of work and in and in the other side of the coin me as an individual employee absolutely so I think for both both at an organizational level and and at an individual level it's first the realization and acceptance that the skills training the development that was done was good for them, maybe is, is still relevant, but may not, probably will not suffice for the future. So it's that realization at an organizational and individual level, I have to do things differently. It's, it's the second part is they need to understand that there's knowledge that their staff, their employees have, there are skills. But a critical shift is required in the being component of the organization. How do we be? In other words, the behavioral dimensions. Because a lot of these 15 skills are behavioral. You know, in a knowledge economy, I, I can fairly quickly find out what I need to know. I probably could also fairly quickly convert some of that knowledge into the doing, into certain skills. The big challenge is the attitudinal mindset, the behavioral stuff. Yes. So organizations need to focus more on that. In the past, we've been talking about, you know, the hard job of soft skills. Well, it's now come to the fore. It's these behavioral dimensions that need adjustment. On the individual level, it's adopt a continuous lifelong learning mindset. Again, it's this realization and acceptance that whatever got me to where I am may not be enough to get me to stay relevant in the future and really adopt this continuous lifelong learning approach and go for it. And, and then, um, and then, from a future fit academy perspective, um, I assume you, you cater for both the organization and for the individual. Absolutely. So we're an ecosystem that um, with our corporate clients, we will go in and we customize change and learning pathways around the skills and the industry. At an individual level, we have the assessment, the Future Fit Index, which is an online assessment, which corporates use as well. This is an assessment that will give you a report on the your state of readiness, let's call it that, across these skills. And then for the individual, there are self-paced online modules to do across each of these skills. For organizations, we can deliver them either virtually online um, or face-to-face, or they can also buy the um, asynchronous self-paced online modules for their, for their employees. Okay, and then we I always end this show by um, saying let's make it real. So if I'm an organization or an or a individual that listen to this, uh, where do I start? Yaku, they can go onto the website, which is www.futurefitacademy.com, um, or they're welcome to reach out to me. Uh, I can give you and I can send an email address, give you an email address, uh, but the website has all the details and they can um, ask for someone from Future Fit Academy to make contact with them. 
Okay, fantastic. We'll put all of those details up on um, on LinkedIn when we when we uh, post the podcast uh, later this afternoon. Um, so so go to it's basically go to the Future Fit Academy website, and then there's all of the the informa- the relevant information to get started. Absolutely right. Um, Eric, thank you very much. I um, I feel that uh, there's so many, many, many more questions that I want to ask, but I think uh, we'll definitely do a follow-up on this. Uh, this was a great kickoff for for uh, the future of work. Um, um, I definitely I'm, I'm confident there's more more discussions between you and me in future. Lovely. I look forward to that, Jackie. Thank you, and thank you for hosting me today. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to Unbundled Boost, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to boost business in South Africa. Remember that you can listen to all of the episodes on the Cliff Central app or website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the pod, uh, to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And um, if you want to know more about Catalytic, please visit catalytic.co.za. Cliffcentral.com